This is Unbroken, healing through storytelling. Just to let you know, we have a vodcast on YouTube where you can watch the edited highlights of the episode. And don't forget to subscribe. If you fancy the full audio version, symbols, just keep listening. Oh, and if you've got a second, please give us five stars and a review. It really helps us stand out and get this important message to even more people that need to hear it the most. Meantime, enjoy today's episode. My guest today is Brian Abram. He's 64 and he lives in Halifax. In 2013, he survived a horrific cycling accident that left him paralyzed and a full-time wheelchair user. After weeks in a coma and a year in hospital, he returned home to a very different life. He then wrote a silly story to amuse his grandson, who was just six months old when he had an accident. Encouraged by others, including Quentin Blake, who said, it's an impressive piece of work, he self-published his first book in 2019. Two years later, there are now four books. He now spends his time doing lots of school visits to raise awareness about disability and to show kids that being in a wheelchair is no barrier to having fun. Everything he makes is donated to charities that helps other people who have suffered a spinal injury like himself. So far, he's raised just over 28,000 for the Spinal Injuries Association and back up. I started to work for myself, doing leadership training and coaching, motivational speaking as well. I was always doing that sort of thing. Um, And I was enjoying life, working when I wanted to. Had uh, a very nice house in Spain that we visited a lot, spent months there at a time sometimes, and and it was wonderful. And then it all went pear-shaped. They moved me to Penderfield's spinal unit, and that's where I started to try and make sense of it all. And Although, unfortunately, I, I didn't get out of bed for a long time because I developed a very bad pressure sore on my back. Um, a hole the size of a tangerine um, and that meant that I couldn't do much rehabilitation for months afterwards so I was a, I was a full year in hospital before I came out. There are things you can do that make life easier. One of the best things I did, oh, it's wonderful, is I have, um, it's a bit hard to describe it, but it's an electric attachment that clips on the front of my wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turns my wheelchair into um, a tricycle and okay. it pulls me along at ridiculous speeds. I'm busy now going into schools, talking to kids about disability and wheelchairs, but in a fun way. So welcome, Brian, to the show. How lovely to have you here. How are you doing today? Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. So as the show is called Unbroken, the first question I ask every one of my guests is, what does that word unbroken mean to you? Okay. Um, There were two aspects of what happened to me. One was the physical injury, which Mm -hmm. we'll probably go on to talk about, so we won't go into detail now, but it was pretty horrendous. I don't actually know how I managed to survive it. But then, of course, becoming instantly paralysed, there is the mental way that you've got to deal with that as well so physically I was broken to some Mm -hmm. extent I still am yeah Uh, but mentally I'm not and that is the key for me because if mentally I was broken by this I don't think I'd still be here but you just have to get on you I saw it as a positive thing that I was given another chance Mm -hmm. to live because I as I say, I don't think I should have survived, really. So what do you do? You've got to take that positively. Yeah, it's not easy, but 
you have to make the best of it. And so I'm not broken mentally. I'm quite strong. Uh, well, you say you just have to go on, but actually that just is a testament to your resilience. That's your choice that you made and your mindset because you could you could give in. But very few people do give in. One of the things that um, irritates people in wheelchairs quite often is you get called, oh, you're so inspirational. Most people I know in wheelchairs are not inspirational. They're just actually living and, and doing what they have to do yes. to survive. And, it's not a choice. And, yeah, and, and people say, oh, well, I don't know whether I could deal with it. Yes, you could, because there is only one other alternative, and that doesn't bear thinking about. So most people would just get on with it. You have a moan every now and again. But yeah, but, but there's still an attitude that you bring to the chair, I would imagine. I was a pretty positive person before this happened to me. I've always been regarded as a positive person. I had a very successful career, mm -hmm. um, always upbeat, always looking on the on the plus side of things, mm -hmm. something I inherited from my mum, I'm sure. Um, and so maybe that has helped. But, yeah. you know, it, as I say, I don't think there are too many alternatives, really. I know. I visited a friend. She had a spinal injury as well, and it was a growth on her spine, and she became paralysed, a wheelchair user, and she was determined to be independent straight away, as you know. She also yeah. spent a long time in hospital. And she, there was another woman there who was being pushed by her husband. And she said, I am not leaving here being pushed in my wheelchair. I am going uh, to do everything for myself. So she saw how you could take it. Maybe that's more of what I meant, you know, the attitude yeah. that we bring no, to I know, everything, I, mean, I guess, in life. Yeah. One of the um, positive things, if you if you suffer a spinal injury, and it can, it, it can also be people who have, like, you say a growth on the spine if you go through one of the uk's spinal units the most famous of which is stoke mandeville everybody's mm -hmm. heard of that but i went to pinderfields in wakefield if you go through one of those units you have to get independent because yeah. there's the guy in the next bed is worse than you and yeah. he's not feeling sorry for himself so i can understand your friend's point of view you want to push yourself you don't want to be dependent on people the nurses quite honestly can be quite tough with you and, and quite rightly so they'll say yeah. come on up you know you're not lying yeah. in bed feeling sorry for yourself you've got to get up and get down the gym and that does you good when you meet some other people who haven't been through that kind of boot camp rehabilitation you sometimes see people and think why aren't you doing more for yourself because you can you know but maybe they haven't had the same regime of getting better yeah and you can only do your own journey I guess really can't you yeah, yeah. So can you tell us what your life was like before you had the accident? What kind of um, person were you? Life was jolly, jolly wonderful, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, I had a very good career um, in financial services. I was moved out of my job when I was just 52 years old, which at the time was horrendous. One of those unfair things that happens. Mm -hmm. But actually, with hindsight, the best thing that, that ever happened to me, I started to work for myself doing leadership training and coaching motivational speaking as well I was always doing that sort of thing um, and I was enjoying life working when I wanted to had uh, a very nice house in Spain that we visited a lot spent mm -hmm. months there at a time sometimes and, and it was wonderful mm -hmm. and then it all went pear-shaped one morning it, it was a cycling accident wasn't it not a motorbike accident yeah yeah and obviously I, I got a grandson who was six months old and that was mm -hmm. marvelous because when you're when you have a grandchild, you can spend more time sometimes than you do with your own kids because, you know, your life's different. Mm. Um, and yes, it was a cycling accident. Um, do you remember think, much about what happened or? Sadly, yeah. I wish okay. I didn't sometimes. Okay. 
Yeah, I wasn't hit by a vehicle, but I was kind of muscled to the side of the road. And a lot of people who ride bikes will recognize that. Somebody too close, forcing Mm -hmm. me in, uh, trying to overtake me, very impatient on a quiet Sunday morning. Um, I think I know this because the road ahead of me became very narrow. and, And I think if this person didn't get past me, they'd have been stuck behind this fat bloke on a bike for a long time. So I kind of understand why. Uh, but it was a very quiet Sunday morning. I was just setting off to ride home after staying with some friends. Um, got one mile down the road and this happened. So the first bit of bad luck was that I skidded on some gravel at the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Um, ordinarily, I would have just fallen off and maybe hurt myself. But the second bit of bad luck was that there was a very small dry stone wall at the side of me and I kind of catapulted to sort of pivoted over it if, mm-hmm. if you can get that the next bit of bad luck was that instead of landing on a nice soft piece of grass I ended up flying down a steep embankment um, and hit a tree backwards um, I just remember seeing seeing the sky and seeing branches going away from me mm-hmm. so I, I knew I was falling backwards and then thud I hit a tree I then dropped into a fast-flowing river, so started to drown. So that was a bit of a pain. Um, immediately knew that I couldn't feel my legs, um, but my more immediate concern was that I was drowning because I was face down in mm-hmm. a fast-flowing, fast-flowing river. Um, you know those stories you hear about people who get... Um, in incredible strength in the heat of the moment maybe yes and lift a car when they're toddlers yeah that's right that's the example people give isn't it well somehow somehow I managed to get my face out of the water I actually I don't know how I did it but I did I then thought that I kept my head out of the water while I was trying to weakly cry for help um but I now know I didn't there was a a lady who waded into the river and held my head out of the water and so what were the chances of, on a quiet life. Sunday of a woman being around? It, it was in the middle of nowhere. Um, because it's, you're now away from public view, I would imagine, and you're yeah. over the wall, into the tree, into the river. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. She's so your guardian just, angel. I, I actually heard somebody shout, there's someone in the river. And that's the last thing I remember. So somebody spotted me. She waded in, I now know, because I found her in the most ridiculous circumstances which you've oh i look forward to hearing that part ah, as well <laughs> if we've got time i'll tell you about it yes. it's crazy how i found her um and two guys also uh, managed to raise the alarm i think it was a combination of the fire brigade and mountain rescue who, who got me out of the river somehow got me in an ambulance um and kept me alive i was then in a coma for a few weeks before and I knew were you going placed on. into a medical coma or you were in a coma you, they put you in a medical coma no, no they put me they put me under um apart from multiple fractures of the um the spine in, in different places all my ribs were broken my aorta was torn which should have killed me on its own mm-hmm. um i had i can't even pronounce some of the things that were wrong with me but i genuinely do not know how they managed to keep me going I really don't, because the injuries were pretty bad. And then you wake up, and are you aware of what's gone on? No, you you don't just come out of a coma like that. You're brought to the surface. On one occasion, apparently, I was thrashing around, so they sent me back down again. Mm -hmm. Um, Then eventually they 
reduce the drugs. I don't know what is in the cocktail, but it's wonderful. Um, <laughs> and you, you gradually start to come around. But I had um, tracheotomies, so yeah. I couldn't speak or anything because there was okay. a tube in there. Um, and it was weeks before I was making any sense or understood anything that was going on. And then they moved me to Pinderfield's spinal unit. And that's where I started to try and make sense of it all. And although, unfortunately, I I didn't get out of bed for a long time because I developed a very bad pressure sore on my back, mm -hmm. um, a hole the size of a tangerine. Um, oh. And that meant that I couldn't do much rehabilitation for months afterwards. So I was a, I was a full year in hospital before I came out. It's a really long time. We were talking before we started recording because we were meant to do this earlier, but you yeah. developed, you know, sores again. And people just assume the biggest handicap is being in the chair. But you said that not being able to walk is actually the least of my issues. Uh, yeah, uh, I can I can deal with that. Um, I can tell you if you talk to most people with a spinal injury, they will say in order the number one issue is you lose any control over bladder and bowels mm -hmm. you can manage them but yeah. you actually don't have control um loss of sexual function which you can recover me mechanically but it's it's different mm -hmm. and the risk to your skin from sores because of the pressure that you have the the wasting of muscle all of those problems and pain and spasms actually as well um, all of those things come higher up the list of problems than not being able to walk. And even so, though the higher... Like an iceberg, you know, people yeah. just look at the iceberg, which is somebody who doesn't walk. And even though the higher up the list are kind of like taboo subjects, you know, you're not going to talk about difficulties no. peeing and pooing or having sex. No. And So no, it's no. good that you can be so open and, and share that with people because... Yeah, I mean, yeah. you wouldn't believe the conversations we have around the dinner table. You know, we'll talk about, we'll talk about anything. Um, and anybody who's with a spinal injury, our ability to laugh at ourselves and joke about these things is, is incredible, really. It's quite, it's like, it's quite sick humour sometimes, but yeah. But I think that's how that gets us through lots of things. I think there is a lovely Irish saying that says a day without laughter is a day wasted. Yeah, that's absolutely true. You've got to laugh about it because some days it's just, it's just horrendous. You know? and it, those are the things that, uh, that, people don't don't realize are issues if you've got a spinal injury i mean christopher reeve superman that's is the great example he did not die because of his spinal injury no. he died because he got pressure sores which led to sepsis and that's what killed him yeah. so you know so you have to take it very situation. seriously obviously we get into sepsis yeah. is, is not good that's infection yeah. all over your body for sure how, yeah. how did you adapt though to life in a wheelchair I know my friend that I spoke about at the beginning said you know when she had to learn to dress herself to get on a pair of elasticated yeah. trousers took her about an hour and she's sweating and huffing and puffing but she thought I have to learn to dress myself no one's going to do it for me well she has yeah. got a husband and kids but she didn't want them to do it for her so how was that boot camp year in hospital this is what Pinderfields is is all about they teach yeah. you how to wash dress how to get up in the chair, how to move around. One of the two charities I support, Backup, uh, they're brilliant because mm -hmm. they do practical things like they come and show you how to negotiate curbs in your wheelchair and 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 that sort of thing, which you need because it's it's not easy just pushing yourself around. Mm -hmm. And But you do learn to do it all for yourself. Getting dressed, yeah, you're rolling around on the bed like a beached whale trying to get your trousers <laughs> on. But, you know, it's you do eventually get there. I was very slow a lot slower than many other people 
um, my age was against me a little bit. Um, and even now, I'm nowhere near as active as many, many other people with my condition, partly because of my age, partly because of the other injuries, shoulder injuries and things that mm -hmm. came from the accident. Um, but I'm largely independent. I can get around on my own. Just every now and again, I have to shout for my wife, Linda, come and help, you know, but I try... I try not to do that too often because you don't want your wife to become your full-time carer. No. Well, yeah, it's, um, I'm a wife, so, you know, it's, uh, it's, I would do anything, you know, if I was in that situation as well. I wouldn't begrudge doing anything for my partner. He's injured his back and obviously he's recovered and I've pulled up his pants for him and put his socks on for him, and, you know, dressed him. It's just what you would do but for it, someone but, that you love. But when you, but when you know it's a permanent thing, it does yeah. kind of, it changes the dynamic. And I don't want my wife to see herself as a carer. No. Um, it's nice that she will help when I need help, but yeah. you don't want it to become the norm. You, there are things you can do. I mean, one of the things we did was we had to move to a different house. Again, yeah. people don't appreciate that. There was no way I could go home to the house that I left. Yeah. We, we're lucky we found a bungalow we managed to do some adaptions to it one of the things I put in was a hoist on the ceiling because I thought you know I'm going to get older maybe one day maybe, maybe that's a good idea and that... widen the doors I remember my friend was widening yeah. all the doors and putting yeah, on bigger yeah. doors so she could wheel herself and she said you'll never go upstairs in the house again they put a bedroom downstairs and yeah she just accepted even, it. even even so you know I, I've got widened doors but I still have a habit of scraping the back of my oh. hand on door frames and things For those like that's listening he's just shown us a big plaster on his hand yeah. <laughs> you think after yeah. all this time you'd get used to it no I, I i still do it all the time so yeah but um you can there are things you can do that make life easier one of the best things i did oh it's wonderful is i have um it's a bit hard to describe it but it's an electric attachment that clips on the front of my wheelchair mm -hmm. Uh, it turns my wheelchair into um, a tricycle and okay. it, it pulls me along at ridiculous speeds um, up to 20 miles an hour and I can get around town on that. So, so you're seen bombing down the town, are you? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> fall out of it occasionally. But <laughs> that, that gives me absolute freedom to go where I want without having to get in a vehicle. So there are, I mean, the only thing is these things are expensive and not everybody can afford them, but... Mm -hmm. That's the sort of thing that I can use to make life a bit easier. Yeah. So before we get on to your speaking and writing career, yeah. please do tell us the story of how you found the, the woman who found ah. you. I'd love well, to hear that. It, it's a ridiculous story. Um, I sometimes do silly things and I don't know why. I've got a bit of a daft sense of humour. And for whatever reason, one day, I think this was probably two years ago now, um, I had um, a down jacket, you know, a really big padded jacket yeah. made by a company called Mountain Equipment. And my daughter was wearing it to take the dog across to the field in what was a very snowy day. And <clears throat> she said, the zip's broken on the jacket, Dad. And I said, OK. Um, so was it, did it still keep you warm? She said, yeah, yeah, it was toasty. And I, I don't know why I did this, but I sent an email to the company that manufactured the jacket. Mm -hmm. I was just bored. And I said, uh, I want to complain in the strongest possible terms about this jacket that uh, I've got. I remember I used to be very hot wearing this jacket, but my daughter today tells me that it only kept her toasty, which <laughs> is disappointing for a jacket of this type. When I bought it in 1976, 
it was and and I waffled on about I actually bought the jacket in 1976 okay mm-hmm. and I've had it since then and I sent them photographs of me as a lad wearing it my wife wearing it and now my daughter wearing it and I just said you know it was just a silly complaint anyway I got an email back saying we're really sorry about the quality of this product that you bought from us we hope you've got the receipt <laughs> <laughs> so that they joined in with the joke but then a strange thing happened that the lady who sent me the email said I don't know why I did it but I googled you and I read about your accident because I've got like a wordpress mm-hmm. thing that happened outside where I live and I remember the commotion on that morning. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a, a bit spooky. Because uh, she was from sort of Glossop, which is where it happened. Uh, she said, yes, I, I remember the accident happening outside outside where I live. Um, and we all heard the commotion, but we didn't know who it was or what had happened. And then her father-in-law mentioned this in the village. And a lady said, well, I'm the person who helped, wow. helped him in the water. So, oh, wow. Through this ridiculously silly email that I sent, I was put in touch with the person who actually, I think, just saved my life. So what a strange thing. And that, I mean, it's kind of synchronicity as well, isn't it? Because if you haven't decided, oh, I'm just going to send off this daft email, you'd never yeah. have known who she was. I know, but I don't know why I sent the email. I was just, I was just bored and uh, just did it for a laugh. They did, by the way, meet me and they repaired the jacket for me. Oh, and, uh, still going. I still got it. It's got a new zip on it and it's going to last for another another generation, not right, for a jacket from and, 1976, is it? And did you meet her in real life? I emailed her and we we exchanged messages. We never actually met. Okay. Um, and uh, I think she she moved away and we didn't necessarily stay in touch, but it was just a wonderful thing to oh, be able to say fantastic. thank you. Yeah. yeah. It's not so really you... to say thank you for somebody saving your life, is it? No, it's, yeah. it's a very powerful thing to say. So yeah. the first book was Grandad's Wheels and the, the, the tale of, of you really living in your wheelchair and to make it fun and to make it um, yeah for kids but, really. It was for your grandson, wasn't it, to start with? The, the motivation was very simple. I thought, you know, Charles, he was only six months old. He's only ever known me in a wheelchair. Yeah. But one day, one day he's going to say, why are you different, Grandad? You know, mm-hmm. why, why is this Grandad? different to everybody else why don't you walk around so I thought what I'll do is I'll write again my silly sense of humor I'll write a story to explain how it happened so naturally I told him that it happened when I was fighting a lion in the jungle on an adventure and of course of course which is what what he'd expect from me so and it was a funny little story but my wife said that is quite funny you should you know spend a bit of time working on that so I did and some other people said that's really funny we like that and I made it so that this granddad in a wheelchair was fun. So the story basically is Charlie feels sorry for his granddad not having adventures. So he mm-hmm. takes him and shoves him into the skateboard part. And he has a crazy uh, adventure flying around that. And I can't draw, but I thought this needs pictures. So after a few years, I found an illustrator who could bring these stories to life, a local lady who um, is in a member of an art society mm-hmm. she does it for fun so you know neither of us were doing anything other than just having a bit of fun mm-hmm. but then we thought you know what let's see if anybody's interested we got rejected by every publisher you can think of um yeah that's it's, it's tough yeah. to get to find a publisher <laughs> not not a celebrity am i so um you know it would have helped if i was a celebrity but i'm not um 
but we thought, oh, well, whatever, let's do it ourselves as a, a bit of a vanity project. So we paid for it to be designed and printed into a book. Mm-hmm. And then people started buying it. So we thought, well, that's great, but we don't want to make any money out of this. So if we make a few quid, let's give it to charities that help people with a spinal injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and to cut a long story short, started to go into schools. Schools started to get interested in it, um, managed to get sponsorship. So all of my design and printing costs are paid for by my sponsors, Brilliant. which means that if anybody buys a book, every single penny of what they pay, I can donate to charity. And your books and are only available through your website, aren't they? Granddadwheels.com. Yeah, yeah there's, there's the odd little independent bookshop that have them. But mm-hmm. yeah, I sell them directly from my website, granddadwheels.com. Um, I've got four books now, I'm delighted to say. Brilliant. Uh, The second one was a silly adventure in a supermarket where Charlie decides to help me by attaching a fire extinguisher to the back of my wheelchair um, (laughs) and chaos ensues. The third one, Hannah Cockroft, OBE now, Mm -hmm. um, our Paralympian hero, eight gold, seven gold medals, sorry. She kindly agreed to be in one of the books and Grandad uh, Grandad beats her in a race, which is quite fun. She's a great sport. And then I did a Christmas book in uh, November last year. So we've got four now, Um, two more to do. Don't know when they're going to happen, but I'm busy now going into schools, talking to kids about disability and wheelchairs, but in a fun way and and telling them these silly stories. And is this Um, primary or secondary or or all ages? Yeah, no, it works for all primary school age kids. Um, I answer any questions they've got and they do ask some brilliant questions. I was going to say, I bet kids do not hold back and they just say it as it is. Maybe all the questions that adults would like to ask you, but they're too, you know, they're... That's that's very true, yes. The the obvious one is, how do you go to the toilet? How do you you get into bed? How do you do this? And, you know, um, I also, one of the things I love to do with them is to say can you design me a better wheelchair? Because mm-hmm. I don't know whether you can see that, but, you know, my wheelchair is boring. very, very <laughs> boring. So I give them some ideas of what they could do to make it interesting. And they really do enjoy it. One of the craziest ideas I had, I must show you this. It's, who'd imagine a wheelchair being pulled along by a magic turtle? Oh. And you've got a crown on as well. You're now uh, king. King Grandad. Uh, not only that, not only that. I'm oh, and you're karaoke, DJ. Yeah. I'm karaoke and drinking beer, and I've got a magic <laughs> turtle on roller skates with a jetpack. Yes, so, he does. <laughs> you know, they, they come up with some crazy ideas, and we have fun with that. Um, so that's what I do. I try and do at least one school a week um, within a 90-minute drive. But I, I can also do virtual things like this with schools anywhere in the UK. So... Yeah, that has been the gift of lockdown, really, hasn't it? To realise that the world is a smaller place. I mean, you could could go to any school in any country, really, couldn't you now? I do. Yeah, it's not the same as being there because, you know, they can see me whizzing around in the wheelchair. But um, it's better than not doing anything at all. But if I can get there in person, I'll spend I'll happily spend a whole day in a school for a very modest cost. And and all of that goes off to to support charity as well. So like you say, we've. We've got just over 28,000 quid so far, and it's going up all the time. So that's nice. That's fabulous. And what, what kind of response do you get? Are they like awkward to start with when they see you in the wheelchair? Are they shy no. or they don't have any barriers at all? Kids don't. I mean, like you say, grown-ups can do. Um, yeah. Kids, I mean, sometimes I'm not sure they even see the wheelchair. They just 
they relate to me being daft and telling them silly stories and and having a bit of fun. Well, um, I, I guess if they're primary school kind of age, hopefully they still have a grandpa or a granddad as you are, and uh, they they relate to that side as well. Primary schools are wonderful. The, the tricky bit is reception class because okay. I, I I do question answer sessions, and the older they get, the deeper the questions. Reception class, you all, you say, has anybody got a question? And the hands go up. I've got a dog. <laughs> okay. Have you got a question though? I like pink. <laughs> and in one school, I said, does anybody have a, a granddad or a grandma in a wheelchair? I My granddad's in a wheelchair, but he's dead. <laughs> okay. Next hand goes up. My granddad's dead too. And every single person, the teacher, teachers are all going, <laughs> but you know, they all don't ask them any questions <laughs> but it's, it's just good fun I, mean, it must, I, I was I, going to say it's very heartwarming isn't it to hear it must just make you chuckle I love doing it I love doing it one one school I did recently I must tell you there was a young lady in a wheelchair sorry mm-hmm. tell a lie yeah, no she was in a wheelchair but she'd only just found out she was going to need a wheelchair for a very long time okay. and the teacher said to me beforehand she's very very upset and, and scared about it and she was a little bit emotional. She was in tears for a mm-hmm. bit of it. But by the end of the the morning, she was laughing along with the other kids as they designed a crazy wheelchair. Wow. That was nice. That was nice to do. And did you ever have those moments yourself where you were really down and yeah, I couldn't still, believe that this was your fate? This is how life is going to be I, now? I still do. Anybody who's understood, um, and you will know this yourself, I'm sure, anybody who understands the way we react to things, there is that journey you go on. First, it's disbelief that it's not actually happened. Then the anger. Then eventually you start to accept. And and, but that that journey is not one directional. You can go backwards. And absolutely. I can be absolutely fine. And then one day I'll just start to feel really, really down. I guess it's a bit like You've grief, really, out. isn't it? It's it a is. bit like grief. You're grieving the life yeah. that you had and accepting the, the new life that yeah. you have now. Yeah, I mean, some it can be the slightest little thing. Usually with me, it's not a big thing that kicks it off. It's usually something really tiny, like I'll drop something for the fourth time that day and it'll roll under the settee or whatever, and it'll just get to me. But I think but, the little things are the big things, really, aren't they? Yeah. but you In know, a good way lost, and a bad way. We've lost some big things. You know, I mean, that beautiful house we had in Spain. I could never ever get there again so that had to go you know the nice cars that it all had to go we had to move house lots of things that we lost um and those were hard and they're still hard but it's usually something trivial that will set me off having a black day as i call it but i only have them very very infrequently thank goodness that's good so you say you you get a positive response from kids how about adults how have you been treated you know now that from standing to sitting in a wheelchair what's that like the contrast all my all my friends family have been absolutely superb Mm -hmm. um strangers i've only really ever encountered kindness i mean some people can be some of the things people come out with it, it it's unbelievable really um things that they might think are funny or may, maybe people feel they should say something when you don't need to, you know, like if you're in a lift with a bunch of other people, nobody yeah. speaks. Yeah. But if I was in a wheelchair, I can get in a lift in my wheelchair and guarantee somebody will say something. And it will usually be something like, Oh, you know, that must be nice being able to sit down all day. 
Really? Oh my um, gosh! Yeah, I, I, I Seriously? Yeah. Oh, oh, I wish I had a chair like that. My feet are sore today. Um, can I put my shopping on your lap? I've had that. Um, oh, you know, can you have sex? What now? <laughs> In a public lift? I've just met you. Have <laughs> a drink first. Yeah. Um, so, but a lot of these things are just born out of, I think, a nervousness that people yes. think they should say something. You know, oh, uh, you know, have, have you got? Uh, is there a speed limit for that thing? I feel like this could be a book of all the inappropriate things that oh. people say to people in wheelchairs. Yeah, there's, um, there, there is. Um, what not to a, say? A long, a long list, and we all laugh and joke about it. You know, what happened to you then? Now, that's fine. I don't mind that. You know, oh, what's happened to you then? But mm -hmm. there are some times when you don't necessarily want to answer that. So we've all got smart ass answers that we give to that. Like, you know, oh, I was in Afghanistan or whatever, which we shouldn't do. It's very naughty. But um, my favorite is, well, I forgot the safe word. Oh. That's my particular, particular favourite. You don't say that in school. <laughs> no, no, no. But funny enough, that's the one thing kids don't ask. They don't, they don't ask say why, how why you ended up in a wheelchair. No, no. They just well, assume you always have been. They, well, they're just not that bothered, you know what I mean? It's 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 interesting. But grown-ups do say some daft things. People are not generally rude, but they just say things that are a bit inappropriate and yeah. probably just... Don't say anything about the chair. Just talk yeah. to me. Yeah. One of my guests very, very early on is a fab fabulous woman. And she literally took one step backwards when she was performing for a play and fell through a trap door and she crushed oh, her wow. spine. She was ah. only 16 at the time. And she said she wants people to see her before they see the chair. All they see, and she has, you know, big support because she's uh, lost the feeling in her arms as well. Um, total broke all of her, her spine. Yeah. And she said people just see her and they feel sorry for her. She said, actually, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. It woke me up. I really love my life. I, you know, don't feel sorry for me. People always want to feel sorry for her. Oh, you poor thing, you know. And she said, yeah, I don't, you, I don't we, need pity or felt sorry for. We don't for. need that. We don't need that at all. No. Um, just empathy that some things are, are not always easy. You know, when you hear a really patronising thing like, oh, you know, it must be nice for you to get out or it's good that you're coping with it isn't it and you don't need that you know no. I'm not coping with it I'm just I'm just enjoying my life absolutely so before we kind of wrap up here the time just always whizzes by yeah. what kind of advice would you give to anyone listening right now that's been in a situation where they've they're struggling you know to coming to terms with how life now is well you know what I think some people in my position would we, we've been quite good at dealing with this pandemic because mm -hmm. when you've spent the best part of a year in hospital or you've had to spend weeks on end in bed on enforced, you know, mm -hmm. bed rest and what have you, you find yourself very, very tolerant and very able to deal with a lot of these things. Yeah. And, and it will all pass. And, you know, yes, it, it might be a week gone out of your life that you could have done without, but it will, it will pass and you'll get over it. Be patient and be tolerant just be patient it, nothing's forever um you know i've just come out of three weeks on bed rest to protect my skin and it was horrible but looking back now that three weeks has just flown past and, and i'm back out of it now and, and getting on with it as you say um, if you can do a year in hospital three weeks is is a short much much shorter time and it's yeah and everybody in my position ends up doing something different they don't all write books they don't all become paralympic sports people mm -hmm. but when you're forced to reassess what's happened to you and, and 
you you have all these things that you can't do anymore. I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do this, I can't do that. You start eventually to make a list of things you can do. Well, I could do this or I could do that. I'm meeting a lady next week who was on bed rest for two years. Not just on bed rest, but on her side for two years. You know, she couldn't even lie on her back. And her husband said, oh, for goodness sake, stop moaning. And, and he bought her a set of paints. She now sells paintings that she's learned to do. Uh, she's called the wonky artist and, and she's, she's brilliant. So you never know what you can do. I never thought I could write a book, but I did. And yep. just, you can do anything if you have a go at it. You never Absolutely. know. Absolutely. And you say there's two more. I imagine there's going to be many, many, many more stories of old granddad wheels and his adventures. So, yeah. So my greatest, my greatest wish, I mean, it probably would never happen. My greatest wish is having looked at what the BBC want for animated things. I tick every single box. Well, it would be a fun animation, a series of six 15-minute animations. It would be wonderful, but of course they are impenetrable. You can't get in front of them, unfortunately. But if anybody out there knows anything about animated... Absolutely. Get in touch, you know, please. It would work. It would work so well. So I'd love to see that one day. You I'll never know. You never know. I will hold that wish for you and keep everything crossed. That would be fabulous. So, Brian, it just really leaves me to thank you so much for coming pleasure. on and sharing your story. Uh, it's been brilliant to speak Absolute to you. Absolute pleasure. And if anybody wants a book, grandadwheels.com is where Yes. It's I will put all your details in my show notes so they can just click on your website and on your personal Fantastic. blog as well. So thank you so thank much. You. Unbroken healing through storytelling. If you haven't already, go on, download, subscribe, give us a five star rating. It really helps us get this important and life changing message out to as many people as possible. There is already a selection of fantastic episodes to choose from and a brand new one coming soon. Unbroken healing through storytelling. Playing now on all the main platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher for Android, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and here. Play Unbroken, the podcast, with Madeline Black.